0: Hey, what's up? This is Royal City Chatter with Roman. I um, wanted to talk about uh, my upbringing today. grew up in the Ukraine, and, um, and I was just thinking about how different it is here in Canada, you know? Like, just the, just the little things, um, such as, you know, when we first came, I remember when I was, when I was around, like, eight years old. I uh, I told my mom, I was like, mom, the one thing I noticed the most is that these bathrooms don't absolutely reek of piss everywhere you go. Because in Ukraine, you could smell the bathroom out from like a mile away. If you're, you know, in a, in a, in a public place like a, a movie theater or, um, you know, any kind of show, you'd smell the bathroom before you saw it. And, uh, it was things like that, man, that I'm kind of like, you know, just grateful to have here. And, um, I remember when I was about, uh, I moved, I moved to Canada from the Ukraine. Uh, I can't remember how old I was, but I know I was in grade two in the Ukraine and then I came here and, uh, I I went to grade three in elementary school in Canada and I was the weird kid. I was a weird Ukrainian kid that smelt funny and dressed weird and, you know. People thought there was something off about me, but in reality, I was a lot smarter than most of the people in my class anyways, because in Ukraine, they, they have an accelerated um, academics program. I mean, I might have not been speaking English the way everybody else was, which is why they called me weird, but, you know, like in Ukraine, um, they taught you your times tables. You have to know your times tables up to 12 in grade two. So in grade two, I knew that 12 times 12 was 144, you know, and um, so on and so forth. So when I came here, I was the weird kid, and I remember being in grade three, just being like, you know, really uncomfortable in my environment, trying to fit in. And I think I told my mom something along those lines, you know, like how how alienated I felt in um, elementary school. And I don't know if this was her plan to, you know, make me seem cooler, or you know, maybe she was just trying to treat me. But she decided. Now, one day uh, for lunch, you know, instead of giving me the, uh, the regular whatever sandwich that it was, she would um, make me uh, a sandwich with caviar. And she'd give me, you know, caviar for lunch. And I mean, I'm sure that even here, the caviar is still, you know, considered a fairly, um, you know, high-end food, like a delicacy of a sort. But uh, in Ukraine, it's you know, it's like the number one delicacy. If you had caviar on your table, um, you know, on Thanksgiving dinner or New Year New Year's dinner, you were right. You, you had it. You had it good. You know, you weren't struggling for money. It was a way to show um, those who you invited and your neighbors that you're the host, and you like almost set your dominance that, you know, you're doing well off for yourself, so you have caviar, you know, especially when you have different kinds of caviar, so you got, like, black caviar and red caviar and all that, so my mom gives me caviar for, uh, for lunch, and I bring it out, you know, I'm all, like, I got my nose up in the clouds, and I'm kind of, like, you know, acting a little bit better then, and then I just hear a girl screech and scream, ew, what is that? And uh, and I was like, what? This? This is caviar. And she's like, what's what's caviar? And I'm like, well, it's you know like baby fish eggs. She's like, ew! You're eating fish eggs. And then everyone started yelling fish eggs, and then it somehow turned into fish balls. So f- they were yelling, and, and they st- eventually started chanting fish balls, Roma fish balls. So. I turned into Roma fish balls and everyone, and it made it so much worse than it already was. I should, you know, that's the, that's a sad, sad, like one of those childhood stories. And that's kind of a, you know, a classic example of how my mom has been, you know, how she's helped me quote unquote in my life. Every time she tries to, um, you know, help me out some way or, you know, Think of a plan for me to get me out of the you know whatever um whatever i'm in if i'm feeling uncomfortable or if i'm getting bullied or whatever it may be that's that's a classic case of my mom butting in and thinking that she's gonna make things better you know and then it just backfires not that she not that she had any intention of doing that right or you know it's just it's just kind of how things play out in my life, and I'm not blaming her for any of this, I still love her, you know, and I appreciate her trying, caviar wasn't cheap, you know, I'm sure that it wasn't just a regular day for her to make me caviar, so I do appreciate that, but that's what it turned into, man, I got made fun of, and, and then the, the only friend that I did have in that class, he was also Ukrainian, but um, he was much more Canadianized, and even he began to, like, hide our friendship, you know, I became like that, uh, I became like the girl that, you know, if you slept with, you, you didn't want to tell anybody that you slept with her. So it was just like a, like a high shush situation where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we'll go out for dinner, baby. Just, you know, just don't tell any of your friends that we're having sex. It was just like, he was like hiding our friendship and it was extremely uncomfortable. And I was like, man, I always, I must've been what, 10 years old. Like that's a little bit traumatizing for a kid that age, you know, to just, be treated like dirt and like outcast, but I guess that's just, um, that's one of the stuff that toughens you up and makes you, you, right, I uh, I don't regret any of that stuff happening, it's an experience, you know, but it, it is, it is a lot different from here to there, you know, I guarantee you that if I stayed in the Ukraine um, by now, I probably would have been in jail or uh, shot, stabbed, you know, um, definitely, because, you know, I had some rough, I had a rough patch in my life where I fell into um, the drug and criminal world and it wasn't easy getting out. So, you know, I reckon that if I if I kind of found that here, I would have definitely found that back home. And I sure shit would have been able to get out of it as easy as I did here. Right. Uh, I'm glad that, you know, God helped me out in the ways that he did and put people in my life that helped me out and pulled me out of that mess. But back in Ukraine, man, I, I my grandma was telling me a story just recently where she came home and um, she saw there was blood pouring down the stairs. And, we, like, we lived on the first floor, so um, there was, like, a landing, right? You, you, there was an entrance to our apartment, uh, apartment suite, and then the stairs went up. There was a landing, and the stairs went up again, and they turned around, and they went to the second floor. And apparently some guy got stabbed in that landing and between the second and first floor and uh, and he bled out and died and he was just laying there no one cleaned him up he just laid there in the corner you know bleeding and my grandma like you know we're just witnessing this like this was a regular thing like people just you know that kinda criminal activity just going on I remember waking up in the middle of the night and having like bottles smashed on the window and You know that was a regular thing man that was that was like okay that was what was to expect on a Thursday evening you know and here's another one everyone everyone whether it was an apartment building or some kind of warehouse you know a store um, you know commercial or you know residential building had bars on their windows for the first three floors Sometimes the whole building did, you know. If, you, if it was easily scaled, I've never seen anyone scale the side of a building and like break into someone's window. But sometimes the whole apartment buildings had bars, but most of the first, second, third floors had bars on their windows. I remember we had we had two different bars. We had to get more reinforced bars. Most buildings there are made out of brick, you know, um, and it was just like wow, man. You know, looking back at it now. The differences are so drastic and it's like, you know, I know that most of the people listening have probably never been to a third world country or even imagine that, you know, and if you have, it's like, okay, what do you go to Mexico and you kind of get a quick glimpse of it, but you don't live in it, you know, I grew up in it and seeing that and like living the lifestyle I live now, it's like, man, if you took me from the life I have today and put me in the life that I had before, it would be like taking away all the luxuries of life, you know, um, that's not, I remember my dad moved out of Ukraine and he came to Canada and he made a life for us here. And then he brought my mom and I over after like four or five years. And the reason why he did that, I remember his exact words. It was because after he had gone on a business trip out of town, out of the country and saw, um, you know, how people lived and we'd go on vacation very often. We'd go to, uh, you know, Turkey, Venice, um, Rome, uh, Czech Republic, Yugoslavia, and he looked around and he said, Wow, this is how people live. The way we live back home isn't even described as living down here. And he took that into heavy consideration and he decided that we need to get out of where we are, man. Because it was no matter, you know, like everything was ruled by money. And you didn't make money unless you already had money, so unless you were born into money, or you're a big-time drug kingpin. You know, nobody, nobody's really quote-unquote rich, you know, there. And just growing up there, man, it was it was different to say the least. I remember <clears throat> I got into my buddy's truck today at work, and it, it smelled like an old vehicle. It smelled like an old, you know, kind of not really moldy but musty that musty smell, you know, you know what it's like, a vehicle that's older than 20 years has that certain smell to it, and I remember, uh, in the Ukraine, my grandpa had this red, um, what was it, a, a Volha, I believe it was a Volha, um, which is like one of those, uh, one of those patriotic vehicles that were built, made in by Russians or Ukrainians, the factories, you know, and they, it, it was like for, uh, for national import and sorry, national export only. They didn't take it anywhere else. And um, it was like a strict Soviet Union vehicle, a Volha something rather. And it was a very boxy car. It looked like an old, old school BMW. Um, it wasn't as classy as a BMW, nowhere near, but I remember he had that. And um, I remember we used to ride toward Dacia, which was like the summer home um, that my grandparents had in it. And it smelled the same way that my buddy's truck smelled today, you know. And back then, I mean, this vehicle was old back then, but it was like one of the first cars that I've ever been in in my whole life. I actually think my grandpa let me drive it at some point. Um, that was my first experience driving. And I remember that smell so, so directly. I remember that, like, I could associate it with that smell today. It was almost the same exact scent. And back then, I thought... That that's what a car smell like like here in Canada. There's like, you know those little trees those scented um, Scented air fresheners and they got that new car smell I thought that was the new car smell was that musty pungent kind of moldy scent The after vehicles, you know, you've had it for 20 years You've spilt coffee and water all over the seats and you know, there's just like mildew in the cracks and cigarette ash <laughs> and um, And i thought that was like what a new car smell like you know um just growing up with these warped you know warped illusions of life and um seeing how people lived you know i um i couldn't imagine going back there today man i remember um the last thing i heard was they were looking for me and they 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 still come like once a year to my grandma's place uh looking for me to enlist me in the army and serve my uh, mandatory four years in uh the military it's either that or four years in prison so i um i can't go back there to visit anytime soon which sucks but um you know i still got family there and a bunch of loved ones there um but yeah man it was it was a hell of a trip you know it's a hell of a lot different than uh than here you know small things like i remember uh You know, here everyone plays sports and and kids have the ability to play sports. I think I've seen like one hockey puck when I was in Ukraine. And, you know, we had to make our own hockey sticks. Everyone played soccer. That was the national sport, you know. But uh, basketball, I saw basketball hoops, never saw basketball. Baseball was only a thing that we saw on television. If you watched American uh, movies. And... You know, like all these pr- privileges that we have today, we don't, we don't, we take them all for granted, man, you know, having the ability to just be like, hey, I want to, I want to go be on a softball team, or, I, you know, I want to learn how to be an, I want to learn how to jujitsu, I want to learn how to play basketball, like, we all have these possibilities today, and, you know, especially, you know, me and my friends are clean and sober, and. You know, we're not, we don't have things tying us down and we're, you know, looking for a new way of life, which is like my whole kind of principle of living and my, you know, existence now is supposed to have spiritual principles involved in it. And, you know, trying new things is a big part of my recovery and a big part of my life. The person that I'm trying to become, right? I've always had like a slight fear of uh, doing new things, right? And my roommate, he's a very smart man. He always says, you know, He's like, why would you want to do something that you're not good at, right? Nobody wants to do that. Everyone wants to, you know, do something that they're good at to, to feel better or to show others that they can do something great, right? And um, and that's kind of how I felt my whole life, man. And I was just – I was so terrified of trying new things because I was so terrified of looking um, unprofessional. and I was scared, you know, that I wouldn't look as cool as other kids did. And this last year, man, I've been really breaking through some serious boundaries, some mental boundaries that I set up for myself, you know, like, uh, I remember when I was a kid, I used to go snowboarding and I remember I took some pretty hard falls and, uh, and I was just terrified to go again. So I, uh, I pushed through it and I, every time I was invited, I said no. And then eventually kids learned how to do it. And I still did it. You know, people were skiing and snowboarding and inviting me out and I never wanted to go because I didn't know how, but I would make up excuses for why I didn't want to go. And, um, you know, it became a thing where I I started to rob myself of these experiences and hanging out with friends. And instead I would isolate and I would go, you know, smoke cigarettes with my friends or I would go and, uh, get stoned and high with my friends. And it just escalated to more and more and worse things. Right. Cause I wasn't staying busy doing, you know, those recreational sports, those things that people, you know, do together. I didn't have that sense of fellowship, that feeling of, uh belonging in anything healthy all of it was associated to you know something negative and this last year I got invited to this trip uh, down to Manning Park with a bunch of guys in recovery and you know guys who don't drink and um and I went and I went and I signed up to go snowboarding and I freaking went snowboarding for the first time in like some close to 10 years and yeah you know I fell I, I you know I dumped it a couple times pretty hard to the old scorpion with the legs up and I fell and I hurt myself, but I toughed through it. And when I came back, I went again. Then I went again and again and again. And by the f- third time, I was doing jumps. Third time, I got like a five-foot air. I was doing big jumps in uh, on, Cy- on Cypress Mountain. You know, fourth, fifth time, I could carve. And I felt comfortable going down, you know, the black diamond or the blue squares, whatever the whatever they're called. Um you know and it just it progressed into something that I became good at. You know by the end of this last last year's season, I felt comfortable standing on a board. And if somebody invited me to go snowboarding, I would say hell yeah. Because I wasn't no longer afraid. And many of us today like we have that huge fear of um, doing something that we're not good at, you know, or or fabricating some kind of uh, unrealistic pain that we're going to cause ourselves. And yeah, you know, snowboarding isn't the most, isn't the safest sport. And I'm sure that you could potentially hurt yourself um, if you're, you know, not careful. And, um, you know, but you're not going to, you're not going to gain experiences in life if you don't try. And... I think trying is basically the point that I'm trying to get across here because if you don't try, you're going to feel much worse than if you did and you failed. You know, no one is going to, no one's going to make fun of you for trying and failing. And if they do, you can just throw up a big fat finger, you know, and tell them to kick rocks. But because you tried, you know, you're automatically, in, in in the solution, you're automatically progressing, and I think that's huge, man, I think things like that is the reason why I'm clean today, and things like that are the reason that I don't want to suppress the way I feel through outside, you know, materialistic things, and I find joy in, um, you know, helping others, and helping others succeed in their life, you know, and helping others um, get clean, and helping others find out who they are, you know, through the program and, or through the steps or just, you know, just being friends and being there for people. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, and what else? I mean, I've tried, I started fishing this year. Um, I've I've been really wanting to get my motorcycle license is something that I've always wanted and never tried to do. I, um, I started golfing this year And that's, that's opened up all sorts of new opportunities for me and my friends, you know, and it's, I think it's important to do stuff like that, man, not to like, let that stuff, um, swallow you up and you become obsessed with it. And that becomes your new, you know, drug, your mind or mood altering, you know, uh, obsession. But, uh, it's important to have things like that in your life so you could, um, so you could join in on it with somebody else. So you could bring along somebody else on a journey with you, you know, and it doesn't matter what it is. It just, it matters about the journey It matters who you're doing it with and it matters how you're doing it, but it doesn't matter what the end game is. Because if you go to play golf, I think a huge part of it is the people that you're with. And because you don't go like, you you don't go and have fun just by shooting a good score. Like that's a very small portion of, you know, having fun. But I also think that the people that you're with, if they pick you up and they carry you up with their words and with their comments and they cheer you on, that no matter if you shoot a high or low score, you're going to have a good time. And I think that's much more important because when you go there expecting to shoot a low score, you set yourself up for failure. But when you go there expecting to have fun, man, that's what you're going to get. And it doesn't matter what score you have, you don't put any kind of um, conditions on your happiness, right? And that's, that's a huge thing for me too, you know, conditions and your happiness. Don't set yourself up for failure, right? Just don't, you know, when you, when you, when you go out and do something, you know, just tell yourself, you're going to do your best and you're going to enjoy whatever it is you're doing. When I go fishing, don't expect that you're going to catch a fish. Just expect that you're going there to have a good time, you know? And even if you don't catch a fish, you gain experience, you gain solace. You gained an opportunity for you to, you know, just be by yourself and gain some solitude. It's just like an optimistic outlook on life, man. And I, I think a lot of people are missing out on that today. Um, anyways, uh, I got to go. So I'll catch you guys next time. But uh, thanks for tuning in. I appreciate you listening. So, um, yeah, take care, everybody.